National League Championship. They have beaten the Padres 4-3, and they celebrate on their home turf as the Phillies of the 2022 NL Champs. From WHYY and Billy Penn, this is your Friday victory edition of Hittin' Season, a Philadelphia Phillies podcast. I am Justin Clue. I write for Baseball Prospectus and Billy Penn. And with me is Liz Rocher of Yahoo Sports. Justin, hello. Hello, Liz. This is a this is a beautiful fall weekend. The Phillies have eliminated the Atlanta Braves from the postseason in the NLDS last night after wandering a bit uh, through the through the playoffs, losing Game Two causing some doubt to stir up among the Phillies fan base, but no more than the doubt that has been infecting the Atlanta Braves organization and the many, many excuses they had for failures they had not even <laughs> achieved until last night. Uh, it was a, boy, it was a theatrical series. It was a dramatic series. It was the third time the Braves and Phillies have met in the postseason and the third time the Phillies have emerged victori- victorious and the third time that the Braves were projected to do so. So it's another one of those really just... Awesome, feel-good playoff series victories we're getting used to around here. And, I mean, Liz, by the time they threw the final pitch yesterday, uh, they appealed down to first base and got the third strike call for Matt Strom, and they all got to celebrate on the field. By that point, how would you describe your mental state? Um, my mental state, in general now, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was quite the watch i'll give you that like that that yes, game that it ga- was oh that game last night i transcended to a new level of stress where i think I, there were direct physical impacts on my health uh when acuna hit that I'm base and loaded today. ball to the fence that was absolutely Aww. that took life out of me i really i had my angle was bad on that so i couldn't even really see the end of the play i just had to go by the crowd reaction and when rojas made that catch i had to go watch the replay to see what happened but my goodness, was that oh. was that the one I thought was going to end me? I thought that was that was I thought that was a goner. I spent most of the game like in a ball on the couch, just like I I I am sore today from being so tense. That's that should not happen, right? <laughs> Is that normal? Is oh, that normal? I'm very sore. My legs are sore. My throat is sore. My hip flexors are sore. My knees are sore. Yeah. The playoffs take a lot out of you. The the older you get, the, <sighs> the more it takes. <laughs> Man, this was easy last time we did it. <laughs> we were just stupid, stupid people in our 20s, <laughs> able to bounce back from whatever we wanted. So I was uh, I was watching footage of the Phillies after they you know changed into street clothes, headed over to Xfinity Live, where a sea of people were waiting for them to celebrate with them. And I was like, boy, it, it is so cool how they okay, they'll they'll come over and do that sometimes, and like it feels like they're partying with the fans, and it's this great communal moment. Um, and I'm not saying that uh, the last golden era wasn't capable of things like that, guys from that era, but I was. Just walking around the city this morning thinking like, boy, even the last time we did this with this last crew of really beloved guys, you know, and I'm not obviously not putting, saying anyone's better than the other. It just feels a little, the way, one of the ways this run is differentiating itself from, from past runs that we may recall is that it just seems like this team and these guys, I know we keep saying vibes, but their vibes are off 
the charts. They are they are on a different level, you can at least say, from the last time we had multiple postseason appearances in a row. Again, not better or worse, just saying there is a discernible different. Different, it, to the, difference in the energy, I think you could say, from Nick Castellanos saying, you know, I F with Philly to, you know, Alec Bohm and his relationship with the city and their relationships with each other and Bryce Harper and how he embodies all this, you know, the spirit of Philadelphia and all that, just everything. Everything about this team is just a reflection of the people who root for it, and I don't think that's very common. I feel like vibes were in the early stages of being invented yeah. <laughs> in 2008. Um, I feel like this team now is a, is like a direct product of years of sort of, of just progression in the game. You know, it's, you know, between trying to, you know, wanting to get offenses started to make games more exciting, which makes pitching, good pitching performances even more exciting. You know, things have changed a lot and baseball players have changed with them. And this is just the perfect team for this moment in the city. This is this team is what we need. It would be hard to have, I think, a, a playoff team that doesn't in this day and age project good vibes. Um. But, like, the Phillies just really embody everything that you would want. You know, the not that the other team didn't, but if they had vibes, it was professional. We love you, but we're going to be a little quiet about it. I yeah. will swear, only after we've won the World Series. There you go. That's a good point. Like, Chase Utley's whole appeal was his intensity. And, you know, you get that gif of him just leaning in the dugout and staring. And you're like, yeah, this is why we love Chase Utley, because he comes to work with that intensity. And you know it's firmly pointed at the other dugout. You know, he's never going to say or do anything that offends fans. That's, that's you know, he's our guy. He's one of our, our core guys, and that's what he brings. So that when it, you know, when it came to the parade, when it came to that speech that he's famous for, uh, that was such a departure from what you normally saw from him. That's, like, part of why it's remembered forever. It's just, you know, it's not exactly, it wasn't the uh, inward, just kind of tooth-grinding intensity that he typically brought. It was just like, yeah, no, this is Chase Sutley at play. This is not the version of him you see a whole lot, and we all got to enjoy that, and it was it was awesome. Uh, but these guys, <laughs> these guys are different. These guys have been saying, uh, have been making quotes like that since day one. Like they they are they are that kind of moment, but spread out over a full season. It's really watching them celebrate is so gratifying and fulfilling. And saying uh, Topper asked JT how many games they got left, and you know it. It, 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 as a fan, you got to just, yeah, yeah, we're all in this together and everything, but like those are the guys on the field and their relationships with each other are also really important. So like just seeing those really natural, seamless chemistry that this team has, it's, it's huge. It's a, it's a big deal. It's a yeah. big part of their success. And I don't think every team that went into the playoffs has that. Oh, absolutely not. You know, this was, um, I think I read, uh, I think my husband must have read this, a quote from Jeff Hoffman, where he's like, it's it's really something. The guys that they're, the big money guys that they're paying, they're just guys. They don't act any differently. They're, they're just, just dudes. dudes. They're just, just guys, guys on the team, team and we're all there for the same reason. They don't act like they're better than anyone else. And I'm like, this is, that's exactly right. On a, the perfect team, you, you leave your egos at the door. Because, you know, like, that's why Brandon Marsh didn't get bent out of shape. At least, like, he, he's not starting every night. But he's, you know, he's gotten over his disappointment and knows that it's what's best for the team. And so he's he's 100% there and in it. 
You know, like that's this team has the perfect blend of like young millennials and like I guess elder, I guess elder zoomers. zoomers. Is that a thing? That a I don't thing. know. Uh, but it's like it's, oh, it's sounds perfect. right. Sure. I don't know if that's it. But it's like a perfect, like a perfect mix, mix of, of of just just what you, what you like, like. What a scientist, scientist would use to build a team. team. You've, You've got, got the big, big name, name players who don't act, act like they're, they're better than anyone else. else. You have, have the bullpen accepting new dudes like family instead of making the wear tutus and carry stupid backpacks. You know, you've got you know Bryce Harper moving to first base. And just like being there and, and doing that because he knows it's what the team needs. Like and that, just to it's real, everything you'd want. Just to mention that, I, I you say that, and I, all I could think on a, on like all the plays to first base, all the time the pitcher had to cover first base. You know, I talked a little bit about that one play in the wild card round that Harper seemed really excited. He wanted to make an impact, and he went for a ball that wasn't his, and it wound up resulting in a Marlins base runner. You didn't really see any of that in this series. He looks like a first baseman. He looks like he looks like he's been playing first base like for his career at this point. You know, I'm not saying he's, he's like a gold glover out there, but you're not really thinking it's weird to see Bryce Harper at first base anymore. I think I I told I, somewhere I told the story about at the wild card game there was a Marlins fan sitting in front of us who turned around and was like, "Oh, he's playing first base? I thought he was an outfielder." And everyone in the section was like, uh, maybe let's leave this guy alone because he clearly is a couple steps behind. But um, yeah, he's really not. He hasn't caught up. <laughs> but Harper looks, you know, he, he's play, he plays a good first base. I'm not saying that means anything for his future or whatever. It's just saying he volunteered to do this. And I described him as liquid baseball. He fills any space on a baseball diamond that you let yes. him fill. And he has filled that space at first base. And I just I think it was last night hearing Dan Baker say Philly's first baseman, Bryce Harper, it just triggered something. I wasn't sure I ever, like, maybe I just wasn't cognizant and picking up when Dan Baker would say that before. And it was just like, oh, yeah, he really just is the Phillies' first baseman right now. And you wouldn't, yep. you, you wouldn't like, mistake him for an outfielder playing first base. He, he, he just does a great job. And that's, that's one of the small reasons why this team has had the success it's had. Remember when people told us that Bryce Harper, signing Bryce Harper was a bad idea? Remember when his first season wasn't like a, a soaring epiphany of, of beautiful rainbow unicorns? And people were like, ha ha. And then he went back to being Bryce Harper and everyone stopped talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember when he was voted by players as the most overrated player in the league? Yeah. Do you think, I mean, all you yep. could, if you're chanting overrated at Bryce Harper at this point, which I don't think anyone is, but if you no, are. No, no, no. I'm just. No, no. I'm just saying if you're doing it at this point, you know you're wrong. You you know it's yeah. just you're just you're you don't have any other ideas for chance. Which if that's the case, head on down to Citizens Bank Park during a playoff game and just you know do some research on chant generation because they do a great job there. I gotta tell you. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> on on a Wednesday, uh, Justin and I were at the the game and we were in the section I believe where we want Strider originated. Um, now you were perturbed we by were, that. You, you, you did I not. was just like, "What are we doing here?" I know that like, the game is great, but it's not over. He's a very good pitcher. Why are we doing this? We're saying, Stop it. we're saying, we're not scared of you. We're saying that's your next, that's your big last weapon, and we're not scared of it. Like, come on, we we beat you oh, two tonight. Come on out here, and you know what? Uh, we'll we'll get into we'll get into the Phillies' opposition in the NLDS, who is no longer in the playoffs. But uh, I gotta say that. The whole, one of the big parts of the drama with them 
we're all obviously aware of what Orlando Arcia said in in the Braves dugout and the the journalism <laughs> ethics debate that resulted from it. Uh, but really, when you get down to it, the whole idea was, well, I didn't want me saying attaboy Harper mockingly after he'd been thrown out to end game two to get out because you, you, and you're just like, why not? That's such an innocuous little gentle little trash talk. Like, what's what's the big deal? Yeah, sure. Guys do that. It's not like shocking to the public to learn that and the only possible answer is because they know if that gets back to him he's going to be extra motivated to beat them and it still seems ludicrous that they're mad at journalists for that getting out because that's what led to him hitting two home runs in game three like it's crazy to put that together but i i kind of almost see it but my point here in bringing it up now is that the braves were so scared to motivate bryce harper that they got mad at the concept of journalism the Phillies fans yeah. were so not scared of motivating Spencer Strider that they started calling for him from the stands before he was even going to pitch. That's what I'm saying the difference is. <laughs> I mean, I'm just always concerned about being too cocky, but I mean, I that's that's just from years of being burned. I like I've not I've not been hurt too much to never love again. I just don't want to I just don't want it to be I don't want it. I don't want us to be the Orlando Arcia of the situation, and have it come bite us in the butt. Which I mean, I I have so many thoughts on that that no one needs to hear at this point. We've all heard it enough. It's really dumb. Like it's in the end, it only became an issue when the Phillies won. It only became an issue when the Phillies won. I'm pretty sure it's not like the next day. After they said that, people were angry about it during the day. It was only after. They won, and they realized, oh, it definitely motivated him. And now, now we're screwed, and everyone's going to ask us about it. Hey, that's the risk of trash talk, you know. That's that's we always say the two emotions of Philly sports fans is distraught and cocky. And you get nervous to be cocky on occasion because you can imagine what happens if it blows up in your face. But that's why you have to be cocky after you win a playoff series. Like in the middle of the playoffs, it's okay. You know, being cocky means you're having a good time. And you have a yes. swell of confidence. And why would you not be confident in this team right now? I mean, I'll admit, standing there watching them just tee off on this rookie, on this Braves rookie, they just led in there to eat it during a blowout no, in, in the 10-2 to game was like, yeah, no, I don't know if this necessarily means this team is equipped to take on Spencer Strider again, but they're going to have to, so why not lean into it? And if you're going to be yeah. playing against Spencer Strider the next day, why not have a offensive explosion the night before just as, you know, something of a warning shot of like, hey, look. You put the fear of God into them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and to, to Strider's credit, uh, I will say that he was the first Braves player who I saw gave a quote that wasn't utterly insufferable or cowardly or immature. Mm -hmm. uh, when he's, he told The Athletic, I'm not a person that makes excuses. I'm sure there's a lot of Braves fans out there that are not happy, and they have every right to be that way. We've got nobody to blame but ourselves. Me personally, I wasn't good enough. I think that the people who are trying to use the playoff format to make an excuse for the results don't like, don't like, they for the results they don't like are not confronting the real issue. You're in control of your focus, your competitiveness, your energy. And if having five days off means you can't make that adjustment, you've got nobody to blame but yourself. And I thought that was the eloquent way of putting what a lot of people have been trying to phrase for the past few days when the Braves have had all their complaints like that is that is a that was a perfect way to encapsulate uh, a response to, to that and it's ironic that it came from Strider himself 
But that is that is an mm. accurate portrayal of events. I mean, I know there are plenty of Braves fans out there who still believe in, in all the excuses they had before, who still maintain that, that, that the layoff was their undoing, that, you know, reporters shouldn't report what they hear in the locker room, and that, like, there's validity to all of the things the Braves said. And I'm here to tell you that th- there's just not. And this isn't even trash talk. This is just, like, an objective conversation. Did you see that footage of Orlando Arcia responding to fans last night? He looked like he was yes. not okay. He, like, he looked like he was he was doing that classic, like, overcompensating laughter and, like, weird faces and shouting. And Acuna had to throw his arm around him to just be like, hey, hey. Yeah. God love Acuna. Sitting there watching out for his teammate to make sure he doesn't get into an actual altercation with fans. Like, good on him for being like, dude, this is, that's enough. You're not even drunk. We're going to have to take you home. And they're going to they're going to hit Acuña for not talking to reporters after the game. They're going to talk about like uh leadership and I don't and blame Acuña for that. But I don't I you know, I don't have a lot of blame for him for that. I know reporters will always blame a guy for that cuz he makes their job that much harder. So they always, you know, hold guys personally more accountable for that. But I don't really blame him for that. And in that moment with Arcia, he was showing the kind of leadership that he's capable of. Like, he's aware of the situation. Exactly. He knows his friend is upset. He knows there's no, absolutely no good that can come from him and fans getting into it. So, you know, that's that's what it is. Like, you can't stop fans from heckling you. They're going to do it. And, you know, they can they can do it. And if they go over the line, they get kicked out. But, like, that that dynamic is heavily in the fans' favor. And he can only make himself look bad. And Acuna did the right thing, just being like, hey, man, just just, just cool it. Just cool it. We're all mad. There's a game happening over here. <laughs> uh, but not to dwell. Did I make, I was going to ask, did I make it up that the Braves' bullpen was getting heckled so bad that they called, they had to call and have people move away from the bullpen? I feel like I read that. No, nope, and... you did not make that up. That happened. Uh, that okay. Was, that was reported Great. on Twitter <laughs> that um, sure. security got calls from... From, uh, yeah, players in the Braves' bullpen because they were getting... Look, the way that the visiting bullpen is set up in Citizens Bank Park almost (laughs) allow, encourages fans to surround it. And and in the playoffs... It's purposefully. I I maintain it's purposely like that. I mean, I hope the Diamondbacks have relievers with thick skin because guess what? It's going to happen again. Like, it's it's going to happen. People think now, not only are people in Philadelphia at a sporting event how they are in Philadelphia at a sporting event... But now they feel they have a reputation to maintain for the national audience. Like, there's not going to be any letting up just because it's the Diamondbacks, a team with which the Phillies don't have nope. any real history or, or rivalry. That, that's not going to happen. People We're going to have history now. Let's start. History now. Let's start. Yeah, exactly. They're going to get educated on Arizona real fast, and they'll show up with some personal <laughs> comments to make to random Diamondbacks relievers. Like, that's just going to happen. Or impersonal, just broad. That's just going to happen. I, I don't know what to tell you. So if you're at the point where you're getting fans uh, moved away from the bullpen because they're upsetting you too much, you're probably going to lose that playoff series. That probably means you're 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 in a state where it's just it, it's not happening, and you kind of know it's not happening. At the very least, the vibes aren't in your favor. And at Citizens Bank Park these days, the vibes are in no one's favor but the Phillies, and it'll probably always be that way. <laughs> yep, that's. I mean. It was, it's an incredible advantage and the Phillies know it and everyone else knows it too. (laughs) Yeah. 
So I again, I don't want to. I don't. Wanna, I know if we start talking about the Braves, we'll lead, We'll just lean into it, and I want to save that for the end. Uh, I do want to just gush yes. over the Phillies a bit. Everybody all obviously yes. knows what happened in this in this series, but I do. I do want to mention that like this team was. I believe it was in total seven for 33 with runners in scoring position. The Phillies' biggest problem was just the inability to capitalize on the threats. All of the hitting. <laughs> and yet some... They, did, they hit they hit Strider so hard last night, but they just did not get anyone across the plate. They just... It, it was just what three? It was three solo home runs. That's all. And you know what? <laughs> that's how you. That's how you beat Spencer Strider. Like he is a very, that very, is. very good pitcher. He was pitching on four days rest. His numbers were worse significantly uh, after having pitched on four days rest historically. But you know, again, this is an ace in the playoffs with a level of intensity and competitiveness of Spencer Strider, which is again a young pitcher who is he's incredibly mature and extremely good. He was considered an NL Cy Young contender for a reason. But you're not going to be able to stack up a lot of hits on him. You know, the Phillies were able to get enough hits to get guys on base or enough base runners to get on base. But but they weren't able to capitalize because, look, he's going to bear down the point. You got to ambush him, which is what the Phillies are also very good at. I saw someone make the comment that, like, the good news is when a Phillies hitter is standing in the batter's box. He's already in scoring position. And I was like, ha, yes, that's exactly ah, right. Yeah. When Nick Castellanos is hitting four <laughs> home runs in two days, he's in scoring position when his name's called by Dan Baker. Like, that's the value. That's what the got into his breakfast? Holy Moses was Nick Castellanos Whoa! on fire. And that bat flip after the game-tying home run oh, in the, 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 well, the second game-tying <laughs> home run. Oh, yeah, the pinwheel was fantastic. They cut to his son. Doing like that, just looking around, just slack jaw. Like, this, like, this is what my is life. What is happening? Not only did I just watch my dad hit a home run to tie a playoff game, but he comes home and every time like points at me specifically. Like, good lord, I'm his son. <laughs> <laughs> that guy, I share blood with that guy. Can you believe that? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I feel like a lot of kids feel like at, at a certain age feel like their parents are cool until very suddenly they're not. But like for for Liam Castellanos, it's actually true. His dad is really cool. Yeah, I mean Castellanos. Yeah, like what is what is there to say though? I mean this is I when when he gave that quote after game two, I think everybody felt better. I know well I know not everyone felt better. I know for a fact not everyone felt totally better. But I think that was an adequate salve on the burn that uh, that game two left on people, and part of that was because. You know that is true for Castiano specifically. We have seen in the past, he is motivated by spite. He is motivated by seeing another team <laughs> celebrate. He genuinely is. And it's not, it, it makes total sense. Spite is a powerful motivator. And so when he was like, It's yeah. why he belongs here. Yes. Man, <laughs> what like, a... He, he understands how we work, which is like we... We take a lot of uh, energy. We get a lot of energy from our rivalries. You know, and beating the Braves, beating the Mets, beating the um, the Giants and Cowboys, like in football, like Philadelphians get energized by that. And this is just another one of those things, right? Yeah. Yes, it is. And you know what else I saw when he hit that home run and did that bat flip and, you know, uh, the other various idiosyncrasies of his three other home runs in two days was just all, yeah. all I could think was. Remember before they signed him and he was just a free agent that they might sign and 
everyone was like, boy, what a great fit for this city specifically would he would be like just the, his 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 cocksuredness, his confidence, just the way he talks, the way he handles reporters, the way even last night, at, you know, being asked to or given a statement instead of a question. He was like, is there a question in there to the national right or the national broadcaster who was interviewing him? Like all that stuff was like, boy, what a great fit he's going to be. Just his, his, his enthusiasm and vibes and, and, and uh, confidence, all of it. And then he struggled so much in year one during the regular season that you didn't really get to see that too much. And when he hit that fourth home run last night, I was like, oh, my God, that, that we're seeing that now. And a lot of people have forgotten mm-hmm. about that because, you know, at this point, that was that was two years ago. That's, you know, that's not front of mind. But we are this is the Nick Castellanos we were promised. And boy, was yep. everybody right about the fit he was for this city. I mean, it's it's incredible. And it's not like there's a guy perfect. on that team who's a bad fit for Philadelphia, honestly. But he he is head and shoulders above. He definitely fits uh, in, in a much more transparent way. Natural yeah. way. Like, <laughs> Castellanos doesn't have to try. Like, he can say I F with Philly and everyone believes him. He's very genuine and he comes by all of this very naturally. And it definitely feels like he's someone you could have a beer with. I feel like... Bryce Harper always has to try a little harder to seem like a human. (laughs) Like he's just a little bit harder. And that's why people say it's pandering, but it's just like, I feel feel like like he just, just, there's just something about him. It's just a tiny bit robotic, which is why everything seems like a pander. He's just like, no, but I really do love you guys. It's very important. You know that. And it just comes off as like, Overwhelming. I mean, that's, Castellanos has a much different natural vibe. I think the difference is Castellanos is a star. Bryce Harper is a superstar. And it is, it can be oh, tougher yeah. for superstars to seem like they're making genuine statements. And you know what? We had this conversation earlier this year. We realized there was a difference in the usage of the word pandering, whereas, you know, older generations were using the dictionary definition of like, no, that's a bad thing. You don't want someone to pander to you. And we were like, oh, no, it's. We're, we're saying it's a good thing. Like, you know, we're, we're recognizing it, but we don't care. And you know what? It's not malicious. We're not in Bryce Harper's head. I'm not, I don't, I, it, maybe, maybe it's genuine when he makes comments like that. Sure, it's totally possible it's genuine. Is it pandering? Sure, it's totally possible it's pandering. Is it a mix of both? Sure, it could easily be a mix of both. The point is it doesn't matter because the end result is the same. So who cares? If exactly. He's... <laughs> if he's going over the top with something, great. Hey, man, that's our guy. You know, like it doesn't it doesn't matter. He's going to step up to the plate and on based on pure vengeance alone, hit two home runs and just be like, yeah, I just I did that because I felt like it. <laughs> and you're like, oh, just, my God. St- I mean, <laughs> staring, staring at him as he rounded the bases is like. I, I, iconic is the only word you can use. And like, that's exactly the word the photographer used. It is. That's iconic. That's just. That's like, that's that, that'll be, be the, that'll be the, that'll be the photo that's signed by Harper. That's going to be sold in citizens bank park forever. He's going to be 70 years old signing autographs of that, of that photograph. Absolutely. Oh like yeah. That's, that's up there. That's up there with Chuck Bidnark standing over Frank Gifford. Like, that's as far as classic Philadelphia sports images. I mean, that'll live forever. The step over. Yeah, the step over. Yes, it's it's right up there. And I, I, baseball, I don't think the Phillies have had that moment. Like, this is that moment for the Phillies. This is, this is their, 
iconic vengeance moment. And now they have one that'll just live forever. Like, what? <laughs> I just love that Harper is just such such a maniac. I'm going to do something. He's like, no, I'm going to stare you down. I'm going to do something pompous <laughs> and, and quote myself. But in my, my game recap Please. for BP, uh, for Baseball Perspectives on on that game, I just said that like when he, he ran past second base and he looked at him, all he did was look at him. But it was somehow louder than anything Arcia could have said. It, it, it was. It was, mm-hmm. And he did it twice. And it was all because of some silly little comment. And, and I bet Harper wasn't even, like, offended by that comment. It was just like, yeah, but I'm going to use it, though. I'm going I'm to use it. Even if he wasn't, like, upset by it and the, and the stare down was just for the people, which I don't even think is necessarily the case. But even if it was, then he was like, I'm going to get these people. I'm going to get these people worked up. Like, you know, he didn't know that picture was going to be taken, but he knew that there'd be footage. He knew that they would replay that and people mm-hmm. would know exactly what he was doing. So he does, he has some like theatricality to him as well. That really works in his favor. Somebody compared it to professional wrestling. And I think it was a Braves fan who was trying to say that in a bad way. But I was like, yes, I totally agree. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. I mean, what makes the, what makes athletes athletes and what separates them What you know, the, um, you know, the amateur level from the, you know, high level elite professionals is the ability to make bulletin board material out of anything, anything like we've seen it in the NFL the last couple of weeks with like the Broncos trying to win, uh, you know, win for uh, Nathaniel Hackett, the who did one of the worst coaching jobs until uh, his successor, Sean Payton, came in like that, like, yes, let's win one for our offensive coordinator who got rightly fired last year. Like, that's the type of thing. Athletes can take a tiny thing and turn it into bulletin board material. And Arcia's mistake was opening his mouth and giving it to him. That's the, He failed from the... Like, there was no way he could win from the moment he made the decision to open his mouth and speak. He had already lost. It just shows like he you have to think about that before you before you say things because baseball every elite athlete knows that motivation is like a spite is a real motivator and motivation is key in in this level of sports because you're going out there day after day and you hurt and it's really hard <laughs> it's hard no matter how much you want to do it like don't do them favors. He's never, RC is never going to speak to the media ever again. No, never. And, you know, there is a Good. lot of childish stuff that came out of that and a lot of ignorance as far as, like, what the media does. And honestly, I will say, having been familiar with a couple of guys on the Atlanta Braves beat, I feel like <laughs> the, the, I, what happened here was that the Braves are very used to being accommodated towards they're very used to having yep. guys show up and interview them who are essentially just doing public relations uh guys who you know guys who, who are there for them to be comfortable and are always in their corner there are there have been times yep. where braves beat writers have rushed to defend braves players from non-baseball things they, they just they, they've gone out of their way to provide cover for these players so for them to like walk into this clubhouse, walk into this stadium, you know, be in the playoffs, have the national media there. Our stadium. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. They are visitors to the Phillies. To the Phillies, they are visitors. And you they think they can go in there and act like that their magical rules that they operate by in, you know, in TBS land down there, like is like you can just bring those with you and everyone listens to it, especially in the playoffs when there are reporters from everywhere. 
the reporters from everywhere there. And so you're, you, you can't just enforce these ghost rules. And you can't go on television and literally call what, did you see the Alana Rizzo thing? Yes. Yeah, I did. And that was, yep. that was some absolute, to quote our superstar, clown stuff. Like that was just, that was ridiculous. It was so over the top. And honestly, given her personal history, the last thing she should have been commenting on. Like that is not the person who should be, who should be calling people, you know, who should be bullying people for doing, for reporting, for being reporters who are reporting. And the whole thing was just so stupid. It was just, it was just such a stupid bit of, but you know what? It happened in their locker room and it was stupid for them. For the Phillies, it was motivation. So you know what? Anytime an opponent wants to come in here and stir up some, some, uh, kick a hornet's nest like that, go right ahead. Cause it's only going to benefit the Phillies. Like that was, it was so, everything about that situation was so dumb. People's understanding of what reporters do in locker rooms. And look, I'll even grant you that there, there can be between like a beat writer or a collective of beat writers, some kind of informal line about like, you know, don't repeat what you heard here. If it was like a personal thing, if it, like you should, as a reporter, as a baseball writer, as someone who travels with the team, be able to discern the difference between something that was said and you heard and perhaps was even recorded, um, maybe even maybe inadvertently, that shouldn't leave the locker room. I mean, that's why that that sign exists in the in locker rooms. What you know, the one that says like what you see here, what you hear here stays here. You know, that's that I've seen that in multiple locker rooms because it's it's the general idea, and that's what people were like using as the foundation for their argument. But this wasn't that. You know, I want to I, I want to no. bring up um, since we're talking about it. I do want to get back to the Phillies. I do want to praise some of the pitching because we haven't gotten to that yet. But before we do, uh, I want to get to uh, Chelsea James, who is one of our Chelsea probably wonderful. You're yeah, probably the, one of the best. Not probably. She is one of the best baseball writers in the country. Um, and she, uh, she put together a thread uh, about this issue because. Jake Mintz, the guy who, the reporter who recorded it and was at the center of all of this, um, is a friend of hers. And, you know, she made all these points that I was already thinking about in regards to this, just about like, oh, you know, why, why did they freak out about this? Why did, why did, um, Arcia make such a huge deal out of it? Why, why did the Braves think this was such a violation? Why did that become the issue that it was a violation? Not that it was like, you know, it's something that couldn't be repeated. It, and she uh, she said that I'm the I'm the other reporter who reported what Arcia said in the clubhouse Monday night. I didn't name him because I didn't see who said it, which, you know, that's what a reporter does. I have this information. I don't have this part of it confirmed. So that doesn't get reported. That's that's reporting. And she said she was just like, I'm sick of watching people drag this colleague of mine who's a friend of mine uh, and talked about how like cameras were rolling. Recorders were rolling. In fact, I asked Arcia if he knows recorders are rolling in the clubhouse. And he said through his interpreter that there are, I don't know that they have to be there, but they are. What that? What does that mean? <laughs> of course they're going to be there. They are reporters. They have recording devices. You see them in there. There were like dozens of them. He yelled the phrase when cameras... I don't. It... Go ahead. It's just a, so such a stupid thing. It's just such a dumb thing to say because he obviously does know. I don't know that they have to be here. You do know. You're a professional baseball player. You do this every single day. You do this every day for six months out of the year. 
Like every beat has a different way they do things, but in the playoffs, it's all over because there is there's the home stadium, and it's just like a handful of writers that are home writers. They get the preferred spots in the press box, and then that's it. That that's where the preference ends. It's a huge scrum of people trying to get quotes. The locker room is a chaotic place after a game. The only post-game locker room I've been in was at the All-Star Game in 2019, a game that mattered to no one. Yet was it was relatively raucous, mostly because people were getting dressed very quickly, trying to leave and get a little bit of vacation in. But, like, it is a crazy place. But you know very well that the, re- the reporters are there and recording, and every every player knows that what they say there could be reported on. Every Atlanta journalist saying that that is not like, well, you know, I know that I wouldn't do this. Like, thank great for thank you for admitting that you're a terrible reporter with terrible ethics. That was pathetic. Oh, my God. Yeah. So just to wrap it up, uh, Chelsea Jane said, suggesting you shouldn't report something said in the presence of more than a dozen reporters because it wasn't meant to get out is suggesting reporters should be protecting players from themselves. That's not our job. It's theirs. And that's the message yep. that the Braves beat needs to hear, but maybe won't even listen to. And he said, boy Harper. It wasn't a slur. It wasn't hateful. Mm-hmm. It was trash talk. And the only reason anyone cares that it got out is because they know it would motivate Harper to beat them, which implies the Braves do not feel they can handle a motivated Bryce Harper. And, and she just kind of wraps it up by saying, if the Braves let this be the story of their series, that's on them. Win and it goes away. Period. I mean, I felt like she nailed it. It's a whole thread, and I'm just picking Boom. certain spots out of it. But, yeah, go ahead and read it if you want, because it kind of covers everything. And really, everything you need to know about that. And I just, yeah, the Braves handled that so poorly and stupidly. Travis yep. Darno with tears in his eyes, talking about, like, how, yeah, it was a betrayal of some kind. Like, uh, grow up, man. It's not. What are you doing? Yeah. This is not people's jobs. Their yeah. job isn't to protect you. You might think that because of how you're normally treated, but that's not that's not reporters' jobs. All right. So this is professional wrestling. I'm sorry. That's professional wrestling. We're going to do drama about something stupid that means nothing. Like that every, like, no, shut up. Shut up. You lost. Go home. Go play some golf. See ya. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, So, yeah, let's talk about a couple of the pitching performances here. In game one, obviously, the Phillies, it felt like at the time, you know, when you were thinking about them stealing one of these games in Atlanta, this was not the game I thought the Phillies would steal. And when they did, I think that led to the disappointment of them losing game two because it was like, well, we beat Strider. Mm -hmm. Why can't we? Why can't we win this one? Spencer Strider goes seven innings. He allows one earned run, two walks, eight strikeouts, five hits. A standard Spencer Strider performance. Meanwhile, Ranger Suarez uh, comes out in the fourth. And this was the game where we were all like, oh, yeah, Rob Thompson wound up really being a chess master of sorts with his bullpen. Uh, The Phillies went through six relievers following Suarez. Jeff Hoffman, Sir Anthony Dominguez, Jose Alvarado, Orion Kirkering, Matt Strom, and Craig Kimbrell. Uh, They collectively allowed zero runs. (laughs) Zero runs, four hits, two walks, and uh, four strikeouts. I mean, this is, this is what you want. Yeah, this is what you want. You know, it doesn't matter. I, I, in a way, well, in, in a very clear way, I'm, it's not like, oh, they didn't strike that many guys out. Yeah, well, they would have been throwing more pitches. And you don't want your relievers to tire out even more so than you don't want your starter to tire out because their uh, their stamina is going to be a little lower. So you don't want them throwing as many pitches. The fact that they were out, they were able to get outs quicker and not allow a ton of base runners and therefore not allow, allow a ton of runs. I mean, we were talking about the Phillies being 
seven for 33 with runners in scoring position in this series, which they won, by the mm-hmm. way. They won the series, despite yes. despite that stat. Um, the Braves were 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position in game one. Uh, Thompson, you got to tip your cap to him for his treatment. Uh, Jeff Hoffman got the win just because pitching wins are like that, but he came in after Suarez and pitched a third of an inning and got the win. But Dominguez pitched one, Alvarado pitched one, Kirkering pitched one, Strom pitched one, and, and Kimbrell pitched one, and it went really, really well, which is staggering. There were for- some moments... Let's Certainly be clear. Some moments, definitely. Like the Braves. My are God, a, there were some moments. They have a collective 500 slugging percentage. I mean, that's all you really needed to know about that team when you were going to face them. And it was just like, oh boy, yeah, this is going to be a chore. And you're right. There were definitely some moments where things felt like they were about to get out of hand. But at the end of the at the end of the day, things got managed, and the Phillies scored just as they did in in the clinching game, just enough. They got a home run from Harper. They got a double from Schwarber. Uh, they had, and, and Harper, Real Muto and Stott all knocked runs in. So, you know, they got just enough offense to beat Spencer Snyder and the real, I think you give, obviously you give the offense props for, for scoring enough, but I think you got to give the pitching staff even more for, for holding back the Braves. That's a team that's not easy to hold back. And that's a tight game. The offense didn't give you a huge, uh, a huge deficit. You really had to be careful. You really had to be strategic and you needed a lot of things to go the Phillies way. And these guys stepped up. And they all pitched really well. And I said, I, I said before, I love that he brought uh, Thompson went to Kirkering when he did. He it was a completely you know pretty stress free situation. The Phillies were well not stress free, but the Phillies were at least comfortable enough late in the game uh, for him to to make his appearance. And you know that that's tough. You're a rookie pitching in the postseason. But you know him, Strom, Alvarado, like all these guys. We talked about this being a strength of this team coming into this series. That the Phillies, you know, they may not have a guy who's utterly staggeringly dominant, but they do have a lot of guys who are good enough, and they have more guys who are good enough than any other team in the postseason. And you really saw that in Game One. Yeah, they look. I'm gonna come back to the connection again because you know they, yeah, like. Jose Alvarado and Craig Kimbrell have traditionally pitched at the end of the games, but they're ready to pitch whenever he asks them because they trust him and he trusts them. And that, that is why the chess match worked so well. Um, at the, during the post game last night, uh, Pedro Martinez, former Philly, Pedro Martinez, um, was, uh, he does every day who should be Pedro's daddy, where he picks out the person who should be, you know, the, the best performance of the game. And it was like Ranger Suarez, um, uh, Nick Castellanos, Rob Thompson, and uh, someone else who got almost no votes. Um, and like the the vast majority of the votes were for Castellanos. I'm going to guess it was like 10 people in the studio voting. Um, was Castellanos. He chose Thompson. He's like, I've never done this before. I've never chosen a manager for this incredibly made up thing that I'm doing. But uh, I, I choose Rob Thompson. He was great. And I'm like, Pedro Martinez is, you know, the starting pitcher who wants to pitch the whole game is recognizing the masterful work of Rob Thompson and the bullpen. That's just going to stand out. That's going to stand out to me for a long time. You know, he he really, he understands how every guy has to be used. And the articles that have been produced lately, especially by Matt Gelb at The Athletic, really kind of demonstrated how the Phillies make decisions the Phillies coaches make decisions and how open Rob Thompson is to other ideas because it wasn't his idea to have like in uh the previous series to have Ranger Suarez oh no that was a uh, game one 
a game one Dev Ranger Suarez pitch on short rest, right? Or, or pitch like just a few innings, you know, and not tell him. Yeah, like that wasn't Rob Thompson's idea. I don't even think it might have been Caleb Cotham's idea, but uh, it was someone's idea and they all talked about it and they're like, this is a good idea. And like it shows that there's there's it, everyone has a good enough relationship that they're able to keep everyone honest and make sure the best idea comes out. Whether it comes to, you know, what is our overall plan for the game or who should I use in this situation? Like knowing the the coaching staff is so solid is is really important. It's such a relief. Yeah, you know what? This didn't happen, but I, after Alec Bohm had another frustrating at bat last night, they showed him talking to Kevin Long in the dugout, and I was just like, "Oh, he's gonna get a hit this next time up." He didn't, but I, I was that was I was that encouraged by just seeing him like having an adamant conversation with Kevin Long that I was like, "Okay, this is good." You know, when when he's struggling. There's a guy like Kevin Long he can go to and, you know, just kind of talk about what's going on. Now, as far as game two goes, we all know how that went. The Phillies kind of got bit by their leaving runners and scoring position trend that was present in every game of this series. They went two for eight with runners in scoring position. They left 11 men on base. And, you know, obviously Ooh. the Braves' miracle finish wound up giving them their one victory of the game. But the Phillies' offense, you know, everybody pretty much had a hit. Christian Pache didn't have a hit and Johan Rojas didn't have a hit, but everybody else had at least one hit in this game. Like the Phillies were present. They just didn't get that big hit they needed to, to put them on top. And honestly, Nick Castellanos's ball that wound up ending the game was like a Raul Abanez in, in uh, the deciding game in 2011 kind of ball Ugh. at the time where it's just like, boy, kind of thought that was gone for uh, more than a couple of seconds. Like I thought that so was much. Like, this team saying something. Fortunately, they were able to say the same thing in the additional games, but obviously, yeah, this one ended with a loss. Got to talk about yeah. Wheeler. I do it a... Yes, I just want to say, the, the only reason the, the Braves needed a miracle to win that game, the only reason they won is just at the very last second they were able to pull something out. The Phillies had it the whole way until then, so that they, I think they had the lead for only a couple of innings for the entire the entire series. Yeah, that's accurate. And the Phillies, uh, I, well, even Braves fans I saw saying, like, by, by the time the Phillies had won game three and taken a 2-1 lead in the series, Braves fans were like, yeah, if not for some late-game heroics, this series is already over. You know, that that, that, mm -hmm. that was, like, a big win for them, but it, it's not like they had, they were the winning team all game, you know? Like, they, they stole that win, and, you know, in the playoffs, you got to do that sometimes. But just saying that, like, they were... They were on the right level to win a game for like two innings out of this whole series. <laughs> so that <laughs> yep. those were those two innings. Um, but yeah, just to mention Wheeler, Wheeler lasted a six and a third. He allowed three hits, three runs, two earned, one walk, and ten strikeouts. It really was a masterful performance, and I think anybody He was intense. Him, yeah. Thompson just left him in one batter too long. And if he had he had taken him out uh, one batter earlier, then there's, hey, there's a chance the Phillies actually win this game. And I'm not saying that's a slight on Thompson. Obviously, we just finished complimenting him. But uh, that doesn't mean we can't criticize him for, you know, hey, man, you left your starter in one too long. And and honestly, that's something Thompson does. He thinks he can squeeze uh, an extra out or two out of his pitchers sometimes. And it does come back to bite him on occasion. And this time it did. Uh, but it doesn't matter now. 
Uh, you have Jeff Hoffman blow a save. You don't see that too often either as well. Mm -mm. So this was a game where things that normally go right for the Phillies didn't go right. Things that normally go wrong for the Phillies did go wrong. Uh, as in leaving runners in scoring position and Thompson trying to get more outs from, from pitchers. But in the end, it doesn't matter because we moved on to game three. And in game three, uh, you know, things looked a little better, I think you could say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Kyle Schwarber <laughs> didn't have a good series. Alec no. Bohm didn't really have a great series at the plate. Even, I don't think Bryson Stott necessarily had a, 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 a the level of series that he would be satisfied with either. But that's the thing about this lineup, is that three of your hitters can not be having a great time and you can still win games offensively. Like, that's how deep yep. this lineup is. That's how it was built to be. And there were times where it felt like, boy, this lineup was built to be deep, but nobody's hitting. Well, I feel like they have, they have fully evolved into the version of this team we expected to see. Because I know there will always be somebody who's scuffling a bit, who's not having a good time. But that's why you build a lineup full of hitters. That's why, what did Bryce yep. Harper say? Like, that's why you pay for free agents. Like, that's, that's why you do this. Because that's why you spend the money. Because if Kyle Schwarber's not hitting, and Alec Bohm's not hitting, and Bryson Stott's not hitting, guess what? Trey Turner's hitting. Bryce Harper's hitting. JT Real Muto's hitting. Nick Castellanos is hitting. Brandon Marsh had three hits in game, in oh. game three. Brandon Marsh is the, the eight-hole hitter. <laughs> he had the most hits of anybody in that lineup in that game. Nick Castellanos obviously had two home runs. Bryce Harper had two home runs. Trey Turner had a home run. Brandon Marsh had a home run. I mean, it feels like once a playoff series, the Phillies just go off. They, you know, they just do this. They're like, let's just hit a whole bunch of home runs tonight. And even in this game, they were three for 10 with runners in scoring position. But it didn't matter. When you're hitting six home runs in a playoff game, you can leave all the players in scoring position you want because you're probably winning anyway. Yes. Incredible. I, I just, th you're exactly right. Like this is, this is what, this is how this lineup was built. This is why you spend the money. This is, I mean, it, this is why you, you work hard and you cultivate players because this team has a blend of homegrown players and free agents. And that's not something I think any of us saw happening. The, the like returns on the farm system were so low for so long. And now, like, all of a sudden, there's, you know, we've got Stott and Bohm and Johan Rojas that are that are up and, like, making massive differences. You know, that's that's exactly how a good lineup is supposed to work. There, there are holes, but, you know, everyone is big enough on their own to patch them until, you know, until everyone is hitting better again. I think the general impression uh, is, if you talk to other baseball fans... Um who you know, maybe aren't as familiar with the Phillies, the general impression is that, like, look, the Phillies were rebuilding. Uh, they had a couple of swings and misses. They actually had a record amount of swings and misses. And for a, a long time, their farm system was just not producing the amount of talent that a rebuilding team is supposed to have acquired by that point, even if, like, by sheer volume of acquisitions, you're like, a couple of these guys are going to work out. So the general impression is that, like, okay, that didn't work, so the Phillies just went out and bought a bunch of free agents. But you look at this lineup, boom, stop, Rojas, throw Hoskins in there, mm -hmm. even though he's hurt. Aaron Nola, the pitcher of this game, by the way. You know, these are guys mm -hmm. who, yeah, maybe maybe there's like two or three more of those guys if the Phillies have like an average amount of success in their rebuild, but they didn't. And there's still a bunch of guys that they, you know, that were homegrown who are making huge impacts. Orion Kirkering pitched in this game. He was brought up, you know, at the last second in 2023, and he's making an impact in the playoffs. Like, 
their, their farm system, it, it'll be a while before it's like a you know top five farm system, but it's still doing its job. There's still guys down there who are like, no, yeah, I can do this. I can be a part of this. I don't care if Johan Rojas doesn't get a hit for the rest of the postseason if he keeps making plays like he made last night on Acuna's ball. That doesn't matter at all. Yeah. That's, how, that's why he's hitting in the nine hole, because he brings a glove. Yeah. yeah. That is the hole that you have in your lineup. It's him. And sometimes there are a bunch of guys on base, and there's two outs, and you're like, all right, well, the inning is probably over. But the next inning, he makes an incredible game-saving catch. And... You know, you're like, that does not matter. We have the lead now. We still have the lead. They don't have more runs because of him. Exactly. And you know what else? It took a Michael Harris miraculous catch to prevent Rojas from knocking in the first few runs last night anyway. So, like, he is capable of delivering in the playoffs. Sometimes you just run into some elite defense that prevents you from, uh, from, from having the success that you deserve. So Phillies win that game 10 to two. And I think at that point, you know, even with Spencer Strider coming out the next day, I mean, look, I know there were people who were concerned, but I think the dominating characteristic of the Phillies crowd coming into that game was, was confident. They were dominantly confident, even facing Strider. And, you know, once again, they only scored three runs. Once again, that was all they needed. You know, you got that Austin Riley solo shot, uh, but that didn't last long. Castellanos came out and tied the game immediately with a home run, hit another home run later to give them one single insurance run, and Turner gave you that other home run in the middle. You know, and that's that was all you needed. Ranger Suarez gave you five innings. He allowed three hits, one earned run, two strikeouts. Uh, and then it was Sir Anthony Dominguez, Jose Alvarado, Craig Kimbrell, Gregory Soto, and Matt Strom the rest of the way. And look, I think we all remember how we felt, especially during, you know, Kimbrell, Soto and Strom's performances. There were ah. some spine-tingling moments, uh, I would say. <laughs> but, hey, they got through it. And one of the things I said coming into this season that I wanted to see uh, was once I got familiar with Matt Strom and his game, I was like, I want to see him pitch in a high-leverage situation in the postseason. I want to see him celebrate when he comes off the mound because I was seeing him celebrate oh. in the regular season. I was like, I want to see it when there's even more on the line. And, boy... We got that. That's we got great. that, and yes. no disappointment whatsoever with his uh, with his intensity. Man, uh, I you know, love it. Some, some of these guys make things interesting. I maintain Gregory Soto will never not make me nervous. He seems to love Always. letting base runners on. Uh, but boy, what a what an end to this game! What an end to this series! I mean, do you, do, can you think of like a favorite moment uh, just off the top of your head from this NLDS? Um. <laughs> I didn't watch it live. I had to watch it back. But uh, Garrett Stubbs smacking his own butt in the dugout uh, in celebration during the six homer game. Uh, that was somebody was like, "Oh, the no." As as the Braves said, the locker room is a sanctuary. And then somebody tweeted Garrett Stubbs <laughs> like riding a riding a power uh, wheel into uh, a kiddie pool full of Jello shots. I'm sorry, it's a what? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, that was like that was a great moment watching it back. Like, it, you know, favorite moments. I mean, that first Harper home run is gonna live in my brain forever. That Castellanos uh, pinwheel bat flip, or windmill pinwheel, whatever it was that's fabulous. Oh, oh, and then he he came out and did the curtain call after the like. I I remember watching that and thinking last year doesn't even exist. We shouldn't even just we should just not even remember it. It doesn't matter. 
well, it I don't doesn't think matter. People do. I brought that up just kind of offhandedly a couple of months ago, and people did not want to hear about it. I was like, oh, I wasn't even trying to insult anybody. I was just mentioning. No, no. I was just here. saying, look nope. at how far he's come. This is yeah. great. No, that's over. That's over. We don't talk about that anymore. He is no, we don't. Uh, Philadelphia in human form, and we're good. We're all good there, so don't talk about that. Uh, yeah, Man, in what general. A, what a what team. <laughs> just, a, just a very satisfying series just a very satisfying end to the series certainly i i mean i'll admit perfectly openly that i wanted the phillies to win but i also desperately wanted the braves to lose i did not want them after everything they said and everything they did and all the complaints from the the, the playoff seating to the the layout the week-long layoff they had that that oh definitely was just a huge problem for them to the the Orlando Arcia stuff to the one media member from Atlanta being like, oh, the sprinklers came on, but only on the brave side of the field. And it got a bunch of our equipment wet. Did the Phillies do this on purpose? Like endless, endless, endless complaining from top to bottom. Everybody except Spencer Strider in the Atlanta Braves organization. And you just got so sick of it. Like from an objective standpoint, I know it's impossible to believe considering this is a Phillies podcast and they were playing the Phillies. But I could not believe how childish and soft the Atlanta Braves organization was going into this and all throughout. It was like 49ers level. And they've, I mean, I I said it last night. They have, I said it to my husband, so no one else heard it but him. Um, I I said, um, you know, they, the Braves have surpassed the Niners because at least the Niners had a dude get hurt. They had, a, they had their quarterback get hurt early in the game, and they felt like they could hang their loss on that. And, you know, they have a perfectly good excuse, and they've ridden it uh, right into the middle of annoying <laughs> annoying town. And they are not moving. But the Braves just totally outdid them. They, it was it was cope from day one. They were just constantly making excuses for things that even hadn't even happened yet. Like it would had just it was just one game that they lost at home, one game, and they were just like this. We're, it's over, it's over. We need to let's we need to, everyone pull all of the alarms at once. Uh, we need to have all of the lights going off, all of the noises all at once. This is an emergency, and the only thing they could do was just look pathetic. They could they just looked so sad. You know, at least the 49ers waited till the game was over. You know. It's not any secret that there are plenty of defeatists in Phillies fan circles. Oh, and yeah. Had the Phillies lost game one, I'll grant you that, let's say, half the fan base would have been like, we're definitely not winning this series. People seem to love mm-hmm. reveling in misery. I don't, I don't get it. I don't do it. But I could totally have seen that happen. And even I would have been like, yeah, the percentages are very much against them at this point. That's a huge bummer. Yeah, I wish they'd won. But if they split in Atlanta, then we should still be okay. So, like, obviously Mm -hmm. that makes sense. But this wasn't about Braves fans being upset that they lost game one. This was about Braves fans trying to reinvent everything because they lost. They didn't get what they wanted. Rationalize it. Their fans and players didn't get what they wanted, so everything has to change. You have to kick the table over, you know, knock the game game board off the table uh, just because I didn't get what I wanted. And... That's, you're right. Pathetic is just, it's the only word. I, I wish it wasn't the case because, you know, like you hesitate to, to use such strong language to describe it. But like it is that, that is that is that yep. is tragic. You are adults. Lose with some dignity. Yep. For, good Lord. Yep. 
They can't. The fact that they can't, they won't even say. They 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 just cannot even admit. Yes, the Phillies are better. They outplayed us tonight. They just they can't. In no world can they be not good. Can they lose? They can. And if they do lose, it's not their fault. It's it's embarrassing. Uh, I didn't say his name out loud before we wrap up. I do want to say Aaron Nola. Yes. Incredible pitching performances in the Beautiful. postseason Beautiful. thus far. Everything you everything you could have wanted. Gives his team a chance to win. All, all you got to do is just give your team a chance to win. He did that. Zach Wheeler did that. Ranger Suarez did that. The starting pitching was exactly what the Phillies needed it to be in this series. Even even in, in uh, game one when Suarez came out early, it was still you know apparently part of some plan. So th- these, these are three guys you want to see making starts in the postseason, and the Phillies have all three of them. You know, it is a it is a powerful asset for the Phillies. Like that, that they have a they have a healthy pitching staff. That they have the kind of pitching staff they have. It is a huge, huge benefit, and they came up huge for them in this series. So, just wanted to make sure I mentioned Aaron Nola's name because he deserves it for all of the strife yeah. and complaining we've done about him. I'm not saying I regret it because at the time these were perfectly no, valid no. complaints to make. But hey, his they last two starts of the regular season and every start he's made in the postseason thus far has been exactly what you wanted to see. So good on him. Yeah, this was awesome. He showed up. He did everything he needed to do, and this this Phillies team is moving on. So we'll have more about the upcoming series, Phillies and Diamondbacks. Help you get to know the Diamondbacks. Um, again, they're not a team that has a lot of connections in Philadelphia, and probably not the team that a lot of people thought they'd be facing in the NLCS had the, had we been assuming that the Phillies were going to make it to the NLCS. So we'll have more about that in the episode ahead uh, before the NLCS gets underway. Today, we just wanted to celebrate. Uh, I'm still, you know, on the road having covered these games and uh, a couple games in Baltimore. So if my audio sounds choppy, it's because of that. Uh, But this has been a really fun series, a really satisfying win over the Braves, who have still never beaten the Phillies in the postseason. Uh, So I would say everybody's feeling pretty good and just take a couple of days, recuperate, and get ready for a, a hell of a fight in the NLCS as well. It's going to be bring it on. A lot more Not postseason. Afraid. A lot more postseason to go, guys. So let's uh, let's get on board. <laughs> Stay hydrated, folks. Yeah, remember to hydrate. <laughs> please, please hydrate. Eat food. Go outside every now and then. Look at the sky. Please. These are important things. Yeah. Uh, from WHYY and Billy Penn, I'm Justin Clue. I'm Liz Rocher. And this has been Hidden.